As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it. Get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. Welcome back to 1% Better. This is Zach Kiefer. It's mid-July, and believe it or not, training camp starts in a week. And I have a great show for you guys today. I have Kevin Bowen of Kevin and Query joining me later um, for a really good 30, 35-minute conversation on just about every topic we wanted to hit on before the season starts. The Colts are back to work next week, which is crazy to think about. It's been a really hectic summer. I know that your summers are not ending. Mine is very soon. But that's how it goes. A really exciting season coming up, I think, in a lot of ways. We'll get into that. Uh, The new additions, subtractions, what this team's going to look like. Um, But excited to get back to Westfield next Tuesday. The the rookies will report on Saturday, and then the vets will report on Tuesday. They'll start practice Wednesday. Um, And again, if, if you guys are at Westfield, if you're up at Grand Park at all in July or August, definitely say hi. Um... One of the best training camp venues I've ever been to. A um, lot to look forward to with this season. So we'll get into all that with Kevin Bowen in a minute. I've got some great guests coming up in the next couple of weeks. But I did want to stop and, and um, say some things about Stephen Holder, my longtime colleague, who obviously you've heard on here a million times. Um, Stephen left uh, to take a job at ESPN, essentially doing the same thing, covering the Colts. Um, it will not be the same. Let's just be honest. One of the best colleagues, if not the best colleague I've ever had. I think you guys got that feel, at least listening to us. Um, We tried not to script the episodes very much. We just tried to just talk, just like two friends in a bar. Um, This team's been really interesting to cover the last couple years, and we always loved being able to come on here and just keep it real with you guys, good and bad, and there's been both. Um, And I always thought like our best conversations, our best podcasts, whatever you want to call it, we're just us keeping it real, and it's the same as us talking in an airport on coming home from a road game or talking in a bar after a game or shooting the shit in the media room, which we do all the time. Um, we wanted to be real with you guys. We didn't want to script stuff. We didn't want to you know, say what a lot of people expected us to say. We wanted to kind of take you behind the scenes and you know, show you guys what we're seeing and, and, and tell you what we're hearing and, and you know, be as honest and as forthright and as candid as we could. And Holder made that easy. Um, great, great to work with. Our jobs were fun. This podcast was fun. 
we cannot thank you guys enough for listening and following along and for your insight, your commentary, your thoughts, for calling us out when we were wrong, all that good stuff. Um, this this was one of my favorite parts of the job, working with Steven. I mean, he was great to work with in every area, but this podcast was a lot of fun, let's be honest. And if I didn't mention that, um, I'd be shortchanging it. So he's awesome. We're still going to shoot the shit in the media room. I can guarantee you that. Um, but wish Steven the best. He was awesome. The good news is I have a teammate coming in, so this podcast will continue in its same format. I'm really excited. I can't share who. That'll come out in the next couple of weeks, but don't worry. Um, you don't have to hear my voice by itself. Nobody wants that. Um, excited about who's coming in. It's going to be a fun season. And, and as I talked about with Kevin Bowen, like maybe the most anticipated, excited, optimistic the Colts have been before a season in a, in, in a long time. I don't want to say 2019 because we know what happened, but there's a lot of pieces in place for this team this year, and it feels like the door is wide open, wide open in the AFC South. They need to step through it. They need to win the division this year. We'll get to that. Long way to go, but um, really excited. Going to miss working with Holder. New guy coming in. He's going to be awesome. Um, I did want to stop real quick and, and just thank everyone for the incredibly kind words about the Andrew Luck podcast series. Um, I was blown away by the feedback, I'll be honest. You know, you you get into something and you don't really know how it's going to be perceived and how it's going to be, you know, and uh, we started in January and, and I've told this before, but The Athletic came to me and they said, do you want to do this? And I said, not really. Like I lived it and all the fans out there, you guys lived this too. And the end was crazy and it was hard and it was it was hard to cover and I wasn't ready to go back to the Andrew Luck story because I covered so much of it over those years and I was ready to kind of move on and, and focus on Matt Ryan or whatever. But Andrew is, is among the most fascinating athletes I've ever covered. And I knew if we were going to dig back into the story, I wanted to do it the right way. And The Athletic is awesome because they gave me the time and the resources to do it the right way. And we spent five months on it. My producer, my executive producer, Mike Smeltz, was unbelievable, like I wish everyone out there could work with someone as talented, as creative, as patient as Mike. He was awesome. Like the reason the podcast is good is because of Mike. Um, I was blown away by the feedback over the last couple of weeks. Number one on iTunes and sports like the whole week. And um, it wasn't just about the retirement. And I wanted that to be clear. Like I know a lot of fans are, st are still hurt about what happened on August 24, 2019. And I get it. Like that just doesn't happen very often. And there's a lot more to Andrew Luck's story than the retirement, and I wanted to tell the whole story. And to understand why it ended the way it did, I think you have to understand how it started and how it progressed over the years. And, I mean, we we had almost 100 hours of audio from all the interviews we did and all the old files we went back to. So um, blown away by the feedback last week and this week. And um, one of the coolest things I've ever done in my career in terms of, you know, fulfillment for me Um I had never done voiceover before. I'd never written a script before. Had no idea if it was any good. Um, but I knew if, if someone was going to tell the Andrew Luck, Andrew Luck story, I, I wanted to do it right. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I, I haven't been able to keep up with all the messages. There have been so many. Um, that's blown me away. So thank you for that. Um, I promise not to beat you guys over the head with Andrew Luck talk over the next couple uh, weeks, months, years, whatever. Um, but thank you again for, for all the feedback on the podcast series. Luck. It was a um, unbelievable experience, and, and last week was really cool just to see how many people really, really enjoy the podcast from not a lot of Colts fans. Like, like, ton, like that's some of the most fulfilling 
things I heard was like people who don't care about the Colts at all were like, this is just an interesting story and you did it right. So I appreciate that. And I understand for Colts fans, it's hard because they haven't found the next guy. And even if they do, when they do, he's not going to be Andrew Luck for, for a variety of reasons. So um, good dude. I did catch up with him a couple months ago. He's doing really well. Um, special guy the Colts got in 2012. So um, thank you for all the kind words. But you don't want to hear me talk anymore. So I'm going to bump it over to Kevin Bowen from Kevin and Query, who was an awesome guest. And we hit on all sorts of things ahead of training camp. Enjoy. All right. Back with our guest today. It's a good one. One of the established stars of the Indianapolis media scene, Kevin Bowen, host of Kevin and Query, covered the Colts for a long time. KB, how's it going? Good. I am boy to check check off the old one percent better. This is big. So I um I, I appreciate it. I'm glad that I'm getting better today. Um just one percent. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, don't how have many too times much you head. heard that quote? How many times have you heard that quote? Hundreds? Yeah, a lot. And I have a feeling we'll hear it a lot here in the next couple of weeks because I feel like that's a very popular opening message to camp from Frank Wright, Chris Bowden and company. So can you believe we've got a week of summer left and it's kind of over after that? Like where yeah, did the summer go? I don't know how you feel, and obviously, and kudos to you on the on the Lux series podcast. I know I texted you about it. We had you in studio uh, to chat about it. Tremendous work on a very complicated story, and um, it was a must listen for me, and really enjoyed it. Um, so your July fourth wasn't maybe as like get away from everything as it typically is, but I do get this weird feeling like on July twentieth of like, man, summer's gone. But at the same time, I think we're excited. You know, we obviously do jobs that we love, and um, I think it's the most intrigue, optimism, however you want to put it, that I've seen around this team entering camp in quite some time. And, I'm excited. Uh, I agree with you. Like, yeah, we'll see how camp goes. You never know. But like, it feels like they have a lot in place. And I don't have as many questions as I did last year. We'll get into the questions. But I think there's as much optimism as there might have been going back to, and I hate to even say it, 2019. But we know what happened then. But there's a lot in place for this team. and. It feels like there's less concerns heading into Westfield. And I think just an element of like the time is now, you know, this, this division has been there for the taking for right. so many years and Doors open. what Tennessee did and where Houston and Jacksonville are. Um, you got to take advantage of that and start getting this young core used to playoff football and what that is all about. All right, let's jump in. What's the one storyline that you, that me, that everybody in the media is overlooking heading into this camp. The one thing we're not talking about that we're probably going to be talking about more in, in three weeks or a month or come September. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, you know, Kenny Moore and Darius Leonard in their own different storylines, contract injury related, jump out. I, I would say in general, I've talked a lot about the wide receiver and the inexperience there. Zach, look at tight end. Um, you know, I, I know it's not like the most household position on a roster, but we know in Frank Reich's offense, tight end means a lot. You have Mo Ali Cox, and then you have five other tight ends who have combined for 11 catches in their NFL careers. Um, two rookies that are probably likely to make the roster. Uh, Kylan Granson, I thought had some drops in the spring. No, he, he did. Be, There's no thought. We saw him. Yeah. Too many drops. And, and he's your number two, you know, and, and with Mo Ali Cox, it's always kind of been like, can he stretch two, three games into 13, 14 games. So uh, again, is it going to decide the season? No, probably not. But in this offense, for what Jack Doyle gave you, 
Uh, I think that is a position group that maybe it's not top of mind for a lot of people, but it's one that I have some questions about. For years, I always said, when Anthony Costanza was gone, you're going to miss him more than you realize. And I think it's not the same, but I think we're going to be saying that about Jack Doyle. And I've always been the Jack Doyle apologist. That's fine. Throw it on me. Caught every third down, throw it his way for eight years. But you're right. They're, they're thin. And it's striking to me when you see these tight ends. Like, wait till the fans see him in Westfield. Like, Jelani Woods yeah. and Ogletree are freaking mammoth human beings. I mean, it was the same reaction when I said when I saw Dio up close, like, holy, like in Buckner, like, holy shit. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, Granson's not, Granson hasn't proven anything. And these rookies are there. And Moelle Cox as a number one is a different conversation as a two or three. That's a huge, that's a huge concern. I, I like that. And you throw in wide receiver kind of in that conversation about pass catchers. And it's, that's, that's a concern. We'll see how it goes though in camp. Um, on the same lines. Okay, so who's the guy we're going to be talking about more come end of August, September than we are right now? Who's the guy that's going to step up? We always see guys have good camps, but I'm talking about the guy who's actually going to prove it when the games matter. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, we've talked about this guy, I think, as a potential breakout, so I don't, I don't think it'll shock too many people, but we did an event with our station a month ago, and, and I did all right, two bold statements on the Colts for this season. And I have Isaiah Rogers leading this team in <laughs> interceptions. He took my pick. Yeah. I, I, and again, I know it's kind of popular, but I, I threw in there again, leads the team in interceptions, like not just, you know, plays or gets in the game or, you know, is your third corner. Um, I just think his ability to find the ball is so, so rare. And he does it in a very calming way, which, you know, Rocky scene. I always felt like when the ball came, Zach, there was a bit of panic. He wasn't the ball was in the air. Yeah. Yeah. He was in a position little, a lot. Right. He was there, but just got grabby. It's not like he was getting beat a lot. It just, he, he kind of freaked out almost. Whereas, and you love Matt Hasselbeck as much as I do from a quote standpoint, when Matt Hasselbeck always talked about the moment of truth, the ball's in the air. It's a wide out. It's a DB. It's a tight end. It's a linebacker who reacts the best in the moment of truth. When I watch the ball thrown in the direction of Isaiah Rogers, I feel like 90 some percent of the time he's calm and he makes a play on it, knocks it away or comes down with it. Um, so, yeah, I will say Isaiah Rogers leads this team in interceptions this season. I like that pick. He was on my list. He's, he's got a calm about him when the ball's in the air. You're right. And, and this is interesting. I remember watching camp with with Rick Venturi and. And under Eberflus, they wouldn't teach these guys to press right at the line. They'd give them three, four yards of, of free release, these receivers. And that changed under Gus Bradley. So I'm really interested to watch how they teach these corners, especially young guys like Isaiah, on the line of scrimmage in Westfield. And it's a little bit like Pittman. And, and this sounds crazy because there's such different players, different positions. But hear me out. When Pittman's in, in, when the ball's in the air, Pittman is so calm and so mm -hmm. smooth. And he just kind of boxes his guys out. Rodgers has that playmaking ability. It's hard to define that. You saw it as a rookie, but when he does make a mistake and he's out of position, which he is sometimes, he's got the speed to cover that. Um, my answer is, is, is so boring and, and not surprising, but I just think he's great. I think Naheem Hines is the guy we're talking about a lot more this year. I think Matt Ryan's going to get him involved. I mean, Naheem gave you know, our buddy Nate, Nate Atkins at the start a, a pretty telling quote about a month ago. You know, Nate was asking, like, what, what can we expect under Matt Ryan and versus Carson Wentz? 
And he says, well, Matt Ryan's going to make the layups. It's like, whoa. Um, Naheem made his point and his stance clear to the powers that be this offseason that he wants to be more involved. That's not necessarily his personality, but I think he's a really good football player, and I think they need to get him more involved. And I think you're going to see in Westfield and in September and October that like they have a weapon. It's not just Jonathan Taylor. So that's my answer. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I just want to throw in one more on Hines. Like Devontae Freeman with Matt Ryan, I don't view Devontae Freeman as like this receiving threat like like you view Hines. And I think he had a season of over 70 catches with Matt Ryan. So Hines sneaking up towards 80. And to it's our earlier crazy. point, no, and to our earlier point about what you have at tight end and what you have at wide out, the fact that you don't have a whole lot there makes me think that, again, Hines will be needed. And they've been talking about this. I mean, remember the first time we talked with, uh, Ballard after the season ended in the indoor facility, well before Matt Ryan was in the fold, it was, we've got to get Naheem Hines more involved. So um, I, I think that's a very smart one. So you wrote recently, you kind of ranked the most indispensable Colts. In a lot of years, this is an obvious answer. You went with Michael Pittman, number one, over Matt Ryan. Why? Yeah, um, and to go back to our uh, earlier Anthony Costanzo name, he's been the one that was always at the top of this list, but it's changed over the years. Um, I, I thought there'd be some pushback on this, and I went with Pittman, one, because of what you have behind him. Oh, it's, that's scary to think about. Yeah, it if is. If he's not there, if he's not there. Right, right. Um, basically, if Sam Ellinger was still Matt Ryan's backup, I'd probably have Matt Ryan one, but the fact that it is Nick Foles, and that's yeah. part of my thinking, it's like, a lot of it has to do with depth chart of guys you can't afford to lose, most indispensable, this and that. If, if Pittman goes down, well, then that hurts Ryan as well. You know, whereas the depth at quarterback, I just feel like you could keep the ship a little bit more afloat with Foles for a week. Whereas if you were to lose Pittman as a thousand yard wideout, plus how good he is as a blocker, nobody I mean, else scares you. No, I mean, besides yeah. like Taylor, like Taylor and Hines, but right, like, but no one in the pass catching department. No. And then, again, I'm going to throw him in as a blocker. I mean, you lost Zach Pascal and Jack Doyle, two very good blockers, That's two guys that just point. made this coaching staff sleep better at night. That's a good point. And for a team that wants to run the football as much as this one does, I think Pittman um, is one on that list for me. Again, a lot has – I think he's a good player, really good player. I think a lot has to do with just the depth chart, though, and what you have behind him versus what you have behind Matt Ryan. We know we know Frank loves his guys, but when I reached out, when I originally heard that they were after Nick Foles, Frank's like, "This guy could throw for 400 yards." Like, like, and they believe that. Maybe he can do it one week. Maybe he can do it two. But their quarterback room just feels like it's in a much, much better place than it was a year ago. There were so many questions about Jacob Eason and Sam Ellinger, and and Carson missed you know four weeks of camp, and 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 we saw some bad quarterback play at camp every single day. I don't think we're going to see any of that this year. And that's going to be refreshing for the entire offense. Sure. And I think it's a key evaluation point too. I mean, think about all the wideouts and tight ends. You're going to be shuffling in and out to try and evaluate them. You know, number two through six on the wideout depth chart is up, up in the air and we're less than a week away from camp. So you need to have adequate quarterback play. Yes. So many times when you get in the preseason games, you're like, ah, oh, shit. I mean, how the hell am I supposed to, evaluate this and the offensive line of course plays into it but still the fact that you have quarterbacks that are accurate been there done that and when you get your second team in there with Nick Foles it should still be adequate passing offense that's important too and just seeing okay what is you know Mike Strawn and Kiki Guti and Desmond Patman and 
you know, some of these guys look like. Who's the left tackle week one? Yeah, I'm going to go with Pryor. You know, I, I, I get that he doesn't have much experience at left tackle. Um, and probably five, 10 years down the road, you would love for Bernard Ryman to get the baptism by fire this year. But I just, He's young, man. Like he's not young as a person, but he's young as a football player. He's and an and he's young rookie. as a football player at left tackle. Like 18 you know? games? Right. You know, he's a tight end. And I, this is kind of where I stand on it. I remember saying this to Matt Taylor a couple months ago, and I don't know, maybe your research staff, the athletic can dial this up. Find me the last time a third round rookie started at left tackle in week one. And I, I, I would be willing to guess it's a long time. I'd in the league? Willing, or a, yeah, in the league. Yeah, yeah. certainly. You, know, has, you, you, you pencil in those first rounders and, and, and oftentimes second rounders, but you're right. Yeah. And, and especially factor in grown man position. no injury. Um, I always go back to this Joe Wright's quote and listeners of, of, of my podcast have certainly heard this. You know, offensive linemen are made, but left tackles are born. It's just different over quote. there. And I think about Matt Pryor, and I thought he was super candid with us back in the spring, Zach. He was like, uh, yeah, I would have laughed if you would have told me a year ago that I'd be competing for a left tackle job. It's really rare to see a coaching staff in a building say, okay, we have an offensive lineman, a former six-round pick who's been in the league for five years, has been a left tackle in one or two games in his entire career, and yet we think he could be the guy. Now, of course, he'll compete with Ryman, but still, it's just um, – it's really unprecedented, but I will go with Matt Pryor there at left tackle. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. So let me get your thoughts on this. So I was thinking about this and we've had these competitions over the years at certain spots along the line. Now to give listeners a little bit of a viewpoint, like they're not playing football the first week and then they're only putting pads on a little bit and then the lions come. So there's a little bit, but unless prior is really bad, he's going to be the guy. Like oftentimes the incumbent is the guy come week one. And then we really find out if he's going to last, but there's not, a lot of opportunity for a, a, a offensive lineman to really, really look bad in camp. Like he's going to have some up and downs, I'm sure. But I just feel like it's going to be really hard for Rayman to really like take that job because there's, there's just a little bit of abbreviated, I mean, full, te- they're not playing real, real football. And I feel like I never get a real sense of how good the line is until they play games, like real games. Cause it's short in the preseason and all that. Like, I just feel like, it's going to be hard for Pryor to lose this unless he's absolutely terrible. Now, we saw that last year with a couple of guys. We've seen that in the past. 
but I just don't think that's going to happen this time. Yeah. One kind of small aspect of the joint practices that I like is, you know, for the Colts sake, a left tackle from an evaluation standpoint, it's Aiden Hutchinson with the lions, you know, so that'll be a nice kind of one-on-one, but yeah, I mean, it, it is something to where you hope Yannick, Yannick Ngakwe can stay healthy just to provide, you know, kind of a, a, a consistent, you know, opposite pass rusher throughout camp. Because, I mean, last year it was Ben Banigou beating Sam Tevy on a regular basis. Every and, day. You know, ben Banigou was a healthy scratch for over half the season there. So, um, you know, it, and again, I think you set a left tackle first and you worry about right guard. I mean, Pryor does have some right guard experience. So do you look at it and say, all right, Bernard Ryan a left tackle put prior at right guard and have Danny Pinter still be they that love top Danny Pinter though. Right. Right. So that is something that, you know, it, I've thought about again, if you're going to ask me right now, I think it's prior at left tackle and I think it's Pinter at right guard, but it also is interesting. I think for the first time since 20, probably Frank Reich's second season. So 2019, you know, we're going to go into camp and the Colts are going to have two open starting jobs in their own line. You know, we haven't seen that. I mean, last year, Eric Fisher at left tackle, but for the most Didn't part, it's practice. been, you know, Nelson, Kelly, Glowinski, Braden Smith at those spots. So that is something that's different than years past. The other thing I should mention is Dennis Kelly. They signed another veteran tackle who's got experience, who's there. I mean, they're not going to be in the same spot they've been in years past where they have to sign a guy on Tuesday who plays on Sunday. So we'll see. But I, I just it's harder and harder these days to get a real sense of how good the line is going to be before they really play. So you think it's prior to? Yeah, because of that reason. Um, yeah. And it'll be interesting to see what, what Rayman brings. He's a big dude. Um, number two receiver on September 12th. Who, who's the number two by the opener? Man. Pick, make um, your pick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll go Alec Pierce. I, you know, I, I think if healthy Paris Campbell will be heavily, heavily involved. Um just if healthy is such the unfortunate caveat with him. Uh, but, you know, what I liked about Pearson is spring, Zach, and I get it's a spring. It's not full pass. It's not press coverage. I thought he did the normal wide receiver stuff, and I say that in quotes. I thought he did that pretty well. Like, he caught the ball. He ran underneath routes that he seemed to be in the right place at the right time, and Matt Ryan found him. And, you know, you and I were among the group that sat in on that film session with uh, Chris Ballard and breaking down the draft picks, the plays you typically see are the downfield stuff. And Ballard said, you know, we've got to work on this kind of underneath portion of the game. And I felt like you saw some of that in the spring, which I think is encouraging. And you just see a very natural athlete, just a guy that, you know, I feel like if there was a, you know, a a track meet or you were doing a little Olympics where you play four or five different sports, I'd be picking Alec Pierce pretty early of Colts players to have on my team. So um, I will go with Alec Pierce there and and Campbell. I, I do, and we had your former colleague, Stephen Holder, on our show earlier today. I find it interesting that I go back to the Ballard clip from the combine, which I thought he was really candid about Paris Campbell and saying, we can't act like he's our number two or number three. No. Here we are less than a week away from training camp and they've acted like he's their number two or number three. So it's just interesting how those were the words in February and did the whiteout market all of a sudden shift that thinking they are banking on Campbell, whether they want to admit it or not. I mean, they are banking on him again. Alec Pierce was the only notable addition that they made there. And so just how that plays out, I think will be fascinating to watch. I think it's a gamble. Huge. It, it, it's I'm like, 
on the on the, on the Paris Campbell train. Like when he plays, and I know that everyone's saying, ah, he's never healthy. I, I get it. I've written about it a million times. This dude can play. He can play in the league. If he stays healthy, I believe that. He can be a real threat in the slot. I think Pierce is the number two because he'll be on the outside. This is what stood out to me. And you mentioned his athletic ability, like the way he just moves, like he's a very fluid athlete and you can see the basketball volleyball background in him. Mm-hmm. Like he dominated the rookie camp, which is what you want to see because he's playing against a bunch of undrafted guys. And then he fit right in with the first team offense in May and June in that mini camp. And Matt Ryan makes it easier because those underneath throws, but we're going to see a lot more crossers this year with Frank Reich and Matt Ryan. And I think, I think Pierce is going to slide in real seamlessly do you think they add another receiver? That's the question, because at this point, they, they like this group and they're going to see what this group does in Westfield. But the minute someone goes down, they're calling T.Y. Hilton, right? Yeah, you got to think. I, I, you know, I go you back to do this, this game again, right? It's no. And burns you know, I, go, I, I go back to, you know, the Jack Doyle, Zach Pascal, T.Y. Hilton. You know, I, I don't want to sit here and act like any of them were playing at Pro Bowl levels last year. But they just made me or would make me sleep better at night if I were the Colts. And the fact that all three of them are gone, it's a lot of guys that you trusted. Pascal's no a big, is a big over, overlooked subtraction, like and blocking. You know, like, Yeah, and think back to, again, Ballard's comments in January or February about Pascal. He was not as down on him from last season as I think many people were. You I, think know, we I, think, know, I think we know what happened. Sure. You know, the, the, the Carson Wentz uh, card in, in all of this. Um, and I guess I look at that with T.Y. I mean, yes, T.Y. had the neck injury late in camp and that you know forced him to miss time. But the injury last year for T.Y. was not lower body. And you and I obviously love golf. So this analogy will will ring with you. But I don't see him walking up the 18th hole, T.Y. Is he on 15 or 16? Sure. But that's still a couple of holes left that I think he could help out this group. Um, I know there's been a debate of like, well, you got Reggie Wayne in that room. You know, he, he can be the veteran presence. I just think it's different when that that's guy's a good in the point. huddle. I don't think yeah. Pittman's that guy yet. Actually, I know he's not. I know he's not. Yeah. And again, you know, Pittman's going to get so much attention that, you know, on a third and seven with a minute 40 to go when you're outside of field goal range and you need to get a first down to keep the drive going. You know, I want some multiple pass catchers that have been there, done that. You don't so. have Doyle, and 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 I I trusted right. I trusted Pascal for yeah. I mean for the most part I I knew his ceiling, but and they did. I mean, they put Pascal out there yeah. so much. You look at the snap counts after a game, and Pascal would outsnap Ty. Yeah, in, in, and I trusted Ty so. too. He made some good touchdown catches last year, and they and they missed him on some touchdown catches yeah. last year. That's that's important to note. And he made one of the bigger catches of the season on that drive in Arizona on Christmas night where he's wide open. So that'll be interesting. I know T.Y. has some interest in other other teams have shown interest, contenders. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, T.Y. loves the Colts and he loves Reggie Wayne, but I think he's going to be patient and this will be fascinating to see how it plays out. But the roll in the dice as of right now with this group, they want to see these guys step up. Maybe that happens, but if the pass is any, is any precedent, it's, it could burn them. And I don't want yeah. the November, December, they're looking... We'll see. Yeah, I so just I was, think it's a it's it's a bit of a risk, and and I felt like again Ballard's words in January and February were like, no, we need to add competition, and then we sit here in July, and it's like, have they added competition? I mean, yes, Alec Pierce, but they again, didn't like the, the market. They didn't like the market. Yeah, all these so. players getting tons. What do we see from Michael Strawn this year? Because he's the guy everyone's giving us shit, right? You guys said he was so great in camp last year. He was, for the record, he was. 
But it was essentially a redshirt year, which is not a huge surprise. Didn't play football. Remember his last year of college, it was COVID. He didn't, I mean, that matters. And he's a young guy and, and Frank has a huge playbook and he, had, he needed to learn that. But what can we realistically expect from him in year two? Because he needs to, he needs to contribute. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up him not playing that final year of college football because, you know, at that division two level, they didn't play with the COVID year. You know, the thing about Strawn, and I felt like we did make this clear, he made a lot of highlight plays last year in camp, certainly, but he had some drops. And I always felt like going into the season, the role would be more of just red zone. You know, he still hadn't shown like, and this goes back to the Alec Pierce point. He didn't show the normal stuff, the consistent stuff, like the we can rely on you on a first and you know 15 at the 35 yard line when you know we might run it, we might do this, we might do that. Um, whereas the red zone is a little bit more of kind of a, a focus package there. You know, Strawn played a good amount those first two games, and then after that, I think it was 10 offensive snaps the entire season. It was just 10. Wow. Yeah, I I'd probably bet on Patman more than Strawn. Um, you know, I thought Mike Strawn missing, he missed at least a week. It might've been more than a week of the spring offseason program. He definitely wasn't out there during mini camp. Right. Um, you know, that hurts him as well. And you know, what also hurts him Zach is I just don't see much of a special teams impact, which, you know, that, that matters when you're filling out a group, but one of those big guys, I think is just needed to emerge. You know, I'm a big believer in kind of diversifying that wide out skill set. So Ballard has a type though. We, we're seeing it. Yeah, he's got to he, type it tight end. He's got to type it wide receiver. Yeah, he loves the stuff you can't teach. I kind of want a small. Wise. I want a. I want a small slot guy. That's what I was banking on with uh, the kid out of Western Michigan, Sky Moore, in the draft. Yeah. But Pierce, Pierce is legit. Same, and I just think with Pittman and Pierce, you know, okay, a Campbell, you know, Demichael Harris is still around. Kiki True, QT, Kiki you know, QT, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I would. I'd probably go Patman over Strawn, um, just of who I would trust right now. Uh, but again, I'm eager to see both of them in camp and, you know, they both had moments in the preseason last year. I just don't know if there's room for, you know, as enticing of a basketball roster of a Pittman Pierce, Patman and Strawn. I, you know, I, I just don't think that's the best way maybe to throw all four of them out there together. Last question. Um, I was asked this by the athletic for a story. What's the Colts biggest concern that they need to answer in, in Westfield. And, and obviously you think about the big pieces of the team and I don't have a lot of questions about Matt Ryan. I think we get, we're going to get what we know. My answer was Darius Leonard was the, was the ankle, the calf, whatever the hell it is, the back, like that dude needs to be on the field. I think he's their best football player. And if this lingers into this season, that's a serious problem. I don't think it will, but that needs to be answered in Westfield. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. Definitely. I mean, gosh, so many questions popped in my head. Um, I've probably focused a lot on the offense here. So I will say, can you create a consistent four-man pass rush? Um, you know, I, I think the Yanni Kangakwe acquisition, I think it's pretty close to how important the Matt Ryan acquisition was. I think it's I, under we're, – we're not talking about it enough. No, Ngakwe. I don't think we are. And a big element of it is you thought Matt Eberflus didn't want to blitz. Gus Bradley doesn't want to blitz. You know, Bradley wants to ideally have a four-man rush get home. And Just if you're win, able win on one-on-ones. Yeah, and if you're able to do that, and now Ngakwe's commanding attention, you know, what do one-on-ones look like for Quiddy Pay? What do one-on-ones look like for DeForest Buckner, Dayo Adangbo, you know, some of these other guys? And now that allows you to do different things in coverage and, you know, use Darius Leonard in, in kind of a multitude of ways. So the fact that your defensive coordinator doesn't want to be overly aggressive with blitzing, 
And I just think the biggest missing element from the pass rush, from the defense in general, has just been consistent pressure. I mean, we saw it in the season finale last year. For as many issues you had early in that game offensively, I mean, Trevor Lawrence had a perfect opening drive to start that game. You did not disrupt his timing at all. And if you're able to do that consistently and you look at the quarterbacks you play on the schedule, the AFC West quarterbacks especially, uh, that can do wonders for you. And, you know, in the biggest moment on the biggest stage last year in the Super Bowl, it was Aaron Donald winning a one-on-one to ice that game. Um, So I just think that if Ngakwe gives this team a presence that I don't even know if they had it with Justin Houston. I don't even know if they had it with Eric Walden. Maybe got to go back to Mathis when he was healthy. That can do wonders, wonders for a defense that I think has shown flashes, but you're waiting for them to be more of a consistent product, particularly against higher level offenses. I like that. I'm buying it. Um, you think about you know the, the big block letters they have in the locker room, finish, right? And for years and years and years, the Colts had guys who would just finish the game on defense. Brini and Mathis and in Houston a little bit, but you think about all these close losses over the last two years. So many times they needed one play, one play. Right. Baltimore last year, Tennessee a couple times. Is Ngakwe that guy? We'll see. But they 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 need that. You just need that. And if if you I mean the three most important positions in this in this league right now is quarterback, it's left tackle, and it's pass rush. And We'll see about left tackle, but I, I like the Ngakwe move. I think it's one of the most underrated moves any team in the AFC made this year. And he's he's playing. It's a contract year. He's going to have every motivation in the world to ball out. He came here with Gus Bradley. That's going to be fun to watch. So um, I think he's going to be a stud. We'll see. But if you get 10, 12, 13 sacks from him, you are, you're a different Huge. defense. You're a different Huge. defense because they just haven't had that. You're a legit January threat with that. And I don't think this defense, I've never thought of this defense like that in recent years, despite the turnover numbers and despite some of the nice moments and stopping on the run and things like that. It's the four man rush. And if you can consistently do that, you strike fear in an opponent. And I think you become a legitimate team when one and done football rolls around. That makes Darius Leonard better. It makes Kenny Moore right. better. It makes Stefan Gilmore better. All that. Everybody knows that. KB, I'll let you go. This was a lot of fun. Thanks, man. Thank you as well. And like I said earlier, great work with the Lux series. I know that's not easy to do as someone that's attempted uh, far less production work on podcasts before. Um, great, great stuff. I'm glad it's getting the uh, well-deserved recognition and uh, looking forward to another uh, year on the beat with you, man. I'll see you in about six days up in sweaty <laughs> Westfield. Can't wait. Right. Thanks, man. All right. See you, dude.